come now to God's Word. And the reading today is from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Out of these eight Beatitudes that we've just had read, the eight blessed are, is there any that stand out for you? There's a number of them. But the one that often stands out, of course, in a time of mourning at a funeral service is the second one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What an encouraging promise to reflect on at this time as we mourn the loss of someone we love, respect, and dearly miss. And so briefly this afternoon, we're going to look at the background of this promise and how it can be real to us. I mean, how can we be comforted as we mourn? How can we be consoled, encouraged, even blessed in our time of grief? So before we reflect more on God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as our hearts are heavy and our minds are sad, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak words of life and encouragement as we reflect on this wonderful passage in your word. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, is one of the eight Beatitudes that introduces the most famous sermon ever preached by anyone in any century, in any age, the Sermon on the Mount. It's so famous that you will be able to quote at least some of it, even if you are not a churchgoer. Most people here will be able to finish these sentences, which we find first in the Sermon on the Mount, like, turn the other cheek, first used by Jesus here. What about go the second mile? What about seek and ye shall find, enter by the narrow gate? Well done. A lot of people here know their scripture. Even the Lord's Prayer, which is said here for the first time, is our Father who art in heaven. Well done, see, that's the most famous sermon ever spoken, and you all know parts of it. Well done. In fact, some historians will say this speech made by Jesus has had the most impact compared to any speech in the whole of human history, that the Sermon on the Mount has had greater impact, greater influence than Churchill's We Will Fight Them in the Beaches more influence than Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address, or Julius Caesar, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. This Sermon on the Mount has impacted human history in ways that uh, historians are still debating and discussing. And of course, these eight Beatitudes, they introduce the next three chapters of Matthew where that sermon is spoken. And the first one is key to understanding the whole message. And the first one is, 
Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this unlocks the rest of the sermon because it's those that come with a humble heart, those who come to Christ recognizing their spiritual poverty and their great need. They are the ones who are comforted, who are shown mercy, who are filled, who will see God called peacemakers and will receive the kingdom of heaven. Yes, indeed, those who look to Christ with a humble heart, poor in spirit, will be comforted in their time of mourning. And I want to draw from an example, an incident in Jesus' life, to show us what it looks like. What does it look like to be comforted when we mourn? And the, the story, the episode, is found in the Gospel of John. And among Jesus' friends, there were two sisters and a brother, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And Jesus loved to stay in their house as he traveled around Israel, and they welcomed Jesus in with open arms, and he clearly enjoyed their company. However, one time when Jesus was on his travels, the brother Lazarus, he fell sick and sadly died. Now, it took a few days for the news to reach Jesus, and then Jesus to travel to the family home. Now, Martha caught wind that Jesus was on the road and nearly there, so she left the house to meet him. And the first words out of her mouth as she met Jesus on the road were these. This is in John 11. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And do you know, Martha was correct. For Jesus had healed many people. Well, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with the flu and he'd healed Peter's mother. He'd healed lepers, blind people. He'd even raised the odd person from the dead. So Martha was very right. If Jesus had been there... Lazarus, her brother, need not have died. And so how does Jesus respond to Martha as she's mourning? How does Jesus comfort Martha? Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. I am the resurrection and the life. I wonder what Jesus means by this. And what about whoever believes in me will live even though they die? I mean, what's that about? Well, a little bit later, we'll come back to that. But the story keeps moving along because Mary now hears that Jesus is just outside the town. So she joins them. And do you know that even though Mary has not heard the conversation that's gone before, her first words to Jesus were exactly the same as her sister's. Mary says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so you would expect Jesus to repeat himself. You'd expect Jesus to say, Mary, just like he had to Martha, why well, am the resurrection and the life? But no, to Mary, Jesus' response is so very different. In John chapter 11, verse 35, we have these words, Jesus wept. That was his response to Mary. The shortest verse in the Bible, and some might say the most powerful verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. For Mary, he drew alongside her, shared her sorrow, and the tears flow. Now, isn't that a wonderful example for us to help people mourn? You see, when some people mourn, they want to talk. And they want an explanation. And they want to talk with you about the what-ifs and should this have happened and what about this. And that helps them 
as they grieve. But there are other people that don't want words. They just want us to draw alongside and sit with them and shed a tear. And so here with Jesus we have an example, two examples of how we can help other people work through their grief. Now if the story ended here, it would be good and helpful and a tremendous example for us. But no, there's a twist. There's a glorious life-changing twist. For next, Jesus asked to be taken to the tomb. And so as they make their way through the short distance to the tomb, they come to a cave with a large stone rolled across the front, where Lazarus' body had been laid four days earlier. Now, much to everyone's surprise, they thought that Jesus might bow his head and say a few respectful words, but he doesn't. He says, take away the stone. And Martha, who's ever practical, says in the King James Version, but Lord, he stinketh. Four days in the grave, and they weren't too keen to roll that stone aside. So after some discussion, they do. And then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And everybody is astounded. It is out shuffles Lazarus, still with his hands and feet wrapped in linen and a burial cloth over his face. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus earlier said, I am the resurrection and the life. And now he proves it by raising Jesus from the dead. And you know, this wonderful miracle isn't even the main event in John's gospel. For a few short days later, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was tried illegally and found guilty. He was whipped and then nailed to a cross. And all creation held its breath as Jesus, the Son of God, breathed his last. And like Lazarus, he was wrapped in grave clothes and laid in a tomb that was sealed with a huge stone. And Satan danced. And the angels wept on that first Good Friday as the giver of life died. But three days later, a surprise, a marvellous surprise, a wonderful surprise, a totally unexpected surprise, because as the stone is rolled away, it's empty. The grave has been laid bare. Death could not hold Jesus down. Christ, the resurrection and the life, has broken the chains of sin and death and was raised from the dead. And it was our rebellion and our sin, our lostness, that had him nailed to the cross. The punishment that we deserve has been laid upon Jesus so we could be set free and have eternal life. This is the good news of the gospel, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this is why we can say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because Christ died, all those who believe, all those who believe in him will not perish. And so for Nancy, there is no more pain or suffering or tears. And it's not just because she's breathed her last. It's just not the absence of pain or suffering for Nancy. But it's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit like Nancy, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For all who look to Jesus with humble hearts, death 
is a doorway into eternal and everlasting life. And this is our comfort for us who are left behind as we grieve and miss Nancy dearly. And we will miss her. And there will be tears. And there will be an emptiness. And at this time, as we cry, Lord, if you had been here, my loved one would not have died. Sometimes Jesus will come and whisper in your ear, I am the resurrection and the life. Even when you die, you will live. And there will be other times when we cry, Lord, if you had been here, my loved one would not have died. And instead, this time we hear no words, but just a touch on our shoulder and looking up to see Christ's teared, filled eyes looking down at us. Eyes that carry our sorrow and bear our grief. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's pray.